1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12 month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary, discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: On second and goal, the give is to Henry. He'll throw, and Henry throws a touchdown to Austin Hooper. The Titans. Pull one out of the back of the playbook to take a
1: 20 to 9 lead. What a play design, what a play execution by the Tennessee Titans last night at Lambeau Field. A great Thursday night game for a change. Bezos finally got his money's worth. A billion dollars doesn't buy. <laughs> but it used to help. 44000000000 billion doesn't buy what it used to. Good morning, Peter King, back from Germany. Great to see you, Peter. Awesome work in Germany with everything you did. It was a great visit we had last Friday, the interview with Tom Brady, everything you had in football morning in Deutschland. It was just an awesome ride, and uh, we're glad you're back, but you did a great job in Germany. Hey, thanks. It was really a, it was really a fun time, uh,
2: really memorable you know, and it's like I told a lot of people. I, I said, "Listen, if this game were in Tampa, you know, fans would have gone home happy." And and they said, "Hey, you know, we're we're playing better. Brady's Brady's back, and we're it's good." In Germany, Mike, for one hour after that game, people didn't leave the stadium. They didn't want to leave. They didn't want to go home. Those people love the NFL like I don't know. Like if you combine. Green Bay and, uh, you know, and Denver and some of the really most loyal fan bases in the U.S. Those people were crazy, but it was a lot of fun. And honestly, Mike, as I watched that game last night, I just started to think to myself, there's so much about the NFL that is entering a new era. You know, not just international play or, or anything like that, but really... There's a lot changing before our very eyes. And I think things in Green Bay might be changing before our very eyes.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right. Before I go any farther, let me say the show is PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at GoogleStore.com. Hello to our audience on Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports NFL, where I think we're live on Friday because we've been live on Fridays for most of the season. Podcast, never live, but always there for you to listen to whenever and wherever you may be. Last night's game, Titans beat the Packers 27-17. to The Titans continue to be a team that is incredibly good, that never gets the respect it should. They seem boring. They are anything but. We'll talk about some of the least boring moments from the Titans last night. But what you touched on with the way things are changing in the NFL, we had been in a sweet spot for a few years of enjoying – A cluster of really good older quarterbacks and a cluster of really good younger quarterbacks. I had said we're in a golden age of quarterbacking. The problem is age. We've seen some of the older guys diminish. And there had been talk about, is Tom Brady done? Is he crossed over into the Willie Mays tenure of his career? Not so fast on that. Matt Ryan exiled to the bench for business reasons, $17 million in injury guarantees that would be full guarantees. If he can't pass a physical by the middle of March. And that was why he was benched for Sam Ellinger. And then all of a sudden he's back and he's winning. So now the two time defending MVP, Peter is looking ordinary, looking cold, glassy eyed last night, missing throws badly, not just close badly. There was a, Throw in the fourth quarter when it was a 10-point game and the Packers were trying to make something happen. He missed Sammy Watkins. I could miss Sammy Watkins by that much. <clears throat> that was stunning to see from Aaron Rodgers. And I watched the entire press conference after the game. You know, the Packers beat writers and any group of beat writers that cover a team, There's you're not going to throw tomatoes at the guy. But they were as pointed and blunt as In a very polite and respectful way, as I can remember them being. And it's just starting to get a vibe of finality, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Mike, I know the exact play you're talking about. I wrote it down last night. 3rd and 12, 9.49 left in the fourth quarter. If I were writing a story about the decline of the Green Bay Packers this season... I would show that play on a loop, and I don't mean that one. <laughs> but but there was a play in the fourth quarter, third and 12, coming. 9.49. Here it is. You here it is, just right here. talked about it, Mike. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Okay. So, like, I mean, that ball led him by 10 feet maybe, and it just it wasn't even close. Now, there were other throws that he missed. But the reason why I isolate on 3rd and 12, 9.49 to go, down 10 points, you have to have this throw. Sammy Watkins, plenty of daylight around him. It's like people say, you know, in college football, I mean, that is really wide open. In the NFL, you're in, a, you're in your own area code. But he missed that one by so much that I just started to think to myself, you know, this is not going to get better. It really isn't. This is not going to get better. And Mike, you know, I also found myself thinking last night, the Green Bay Packers are 4-7. and seven. So you would think to have any sort of shot in a conference where the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys and, and, and probably either Seattle or San Francisco, whoever doesn't win that division, those teams right now, are better than the Packers clearly, but also they have a big advantage in the standings. The Green Bay Packers might have to go six and zero down the stretch, and the first one of those six at Philadelphia next Sunday night. You know, a week a week from Sunday, and so I mean, I'm not saying that you know you should be shoveling dirt on them now, but you ought to get the backhoe ready. And, and the other, one other thing I would say that is so odd about the way that Rodgers threw the ball on several occasions last night, I do think that he had time. Okay, he, he, was, he was pressured at some points. I do think he had time. And this was not a problem of the offensive line getting him hit or anything like that. This was a problem of his accuracy in huge
1: moments of the game, period. And you're absolutely right. And that third and twelve play, I think it's great that we both locked on to it. It was the most significant play of the night. It tells the story in one snap. They had to have this, as you said. They had to get something kick-started. There's enough time with nine and a half minutes to play to go down the field, get a touchdown or a field goal, ideally a touchdown. Then try to get the ball back and go do it again and steal the victory. It's not going to happen if you don't keep the drive going. And he had time to right. step off. If we, if we can show it again, he wasn't being harassed. He slipped through a crack. Not at all. Bought himself time and had as wide open of a throw as he's ever going to have. This is the game at the carnival, where you have got the, you know, you, you, whatever you're doing, you whether you're shooting the little air this gun or you're view. throwing something at the clown, that's it. You're able as, and that's as much time as you're ever going to get in the NFL. He gets a chance to stop. Now maybe he's worried about getting hit from behind, but he, he, it, it, it wasn't going to happen. He had all the time he needed to make that throw. I've seen people say, well, Devontae Adams would make that throw because Sammy Watkins was basically walking across the field. He saw what Sammy Watkins was doing. He just missed him. He had a chance to see how he was moving, and he flat out missed him. And then on the next drive, on third and three, he puts it over the arms of Alan Lazard to keep the drive alive. And then on fourth and three, I don't know what the hell he was trying to do. That's not the throw you make on fourth and three. That's the throw you make on first and ten where you're taking a shot. And you could hear the booing. I mean, they were restless all night, but on those two throws, the third and 12 and the third and three and a little on the fourth and three, the fourth and three was more kind of like they thought maybe there was interference, but the two third down throws, there was noise and it was being directed at the guy who made those throws, not anybody else on the field.
2: You know, Mike, I, I I have to say, I've been thinking a lot about what you said a couple of weeks ago when we got in a little tiff on this show, and you said that Aaron Rodgers should have shown up in the offseason, and this was a year that he needed to show up in the offseason. And honestly, this has a little bit of the kind of reverberation, you know, a, amazing how history repeats itself because later on very late in the Brett Favre era in green Bay, you know, uh, 05, 06, 07, You know, they wanted him at the end to really be coming to, to more of the off season stuff. And Favre just said, I'm, I'm not coming in the off season. And that was one of the reasons, not a major reason, but that was one of the reasons why Ted Thompson, and Mike McCarthy basically said, listen, it's, it, you know, we need to have somebody all in. The only reason I mention that now is that contractually, these are not urgent, uh, it, these are not, I'm sorry, the, not, urgent is the wrong word. These are not required practices for all veterans to attend in the offseason. We know that, they're optional, but... It's the old Bill Parcells voluntary mandatory, all right? But if you're a big enough person, big enough name, big enough star, you don't have to come and there's nothing they can do about it. But now, this year, if I were Matt LaFleur, I would just say to to Aaron Rodgers, hey, listen, we're going to go out and spend some money in free agency this offseason. We're going to go out and we will go, we, I guarantee you, we will have better receivers, but we want a commitment from you. We need you this offseason. And even if it's not for all of it, we need you for at least half of it. You've got to be throwing to these guys regularly in the offseason. And if I were the Packers, that's what I'd say. And look, you can't force him to do it. And if he says no, then maybe Green Bay has a decision to make. We'll see. But I think now, especially watching some of the some of what has happened, either lack of communication, lack of chemistry, whatever it is, you know, this team is not the same. And so I do think that they are within their rights to ask. He's within his rights to refuse, and then they might have a decision
1: to make. I'm not even sure it gets to that point, Peter. I'm not sure he's going to play next year. I think that. The body language I saw last night, the guy that we yeah. heard at the press conference, I'm going to play some of it coming up here very, very shortly. He just strikes me as a guy who knows the end is coming. And the question is, two questions, does he want to go out this way? And does he think there's a chance to go out a better way if he comes back for one more year? And the other question, quite frankly, does he want to retire the same year Tom Brady retires and then be second fiddle to Tom Brady when it's time to enter the hall of fame. And I know that seems very petty and superficial, but does he want to be second fiddle to Tom Brady when it's time to enter the hall of fame? And I say this at a time. Mike, where Joe the Bucks other question. Is po- go ahead.
2: I was going to say the other question is, do you want to go out like this?
1: That's right. That's, that's the, the point. Do you want, is this what you want? And is it going to, are you confident that one more year, is going to be any better. Usually we see that one more year after a great season, like Brett Favre, 2009 with the Vikings. Great season, one more year. Oh, well, maybe we shouldn't have done one more year for a variety of reasons with Brett Favre in Minnesota. And I, I, and this is all new territory to have quarterbacks playing this long, these questions being asked. Usually guys you know is. when it's time. The idea of... I really got a bad taste in my mouth for that one more year. I'll just come back for one more year. I'll chase a bad year with what could be a worse year. Who knows? That's going to be a real delivery for him. Let's let's see Aaron Rodgers in all black again, although this time with a little orange stripe. He's starting to work some other color into his post-game press conference. He had been the man in black for weeks. Here he is last night after the game talking about his bad throws and his reaction to being booed by the home crowd.
0: I couldn't tell you. Point to one thing. Uh, I'm not going to make excuses about my thumb. It's been the same since New York. Um, I don't know. I got to go back and look at it. I Felt like fundamentally I was, you know, in a good spot, um, but I just didn't have the same type of uh, consistent grip and and ball coming out the same way. I threw a lot of kind of wobblers tonight. So um, there was some wind, but. Uh, just missed a few throws. I should have had. I mean, definitely the one to Sammy and and the one to Allen for sure. It's not often you get booed. What's it like hearing those? Not you personally, but as a as a group. Um, interesting. It's best I can give you.
1: I thought that stripe was orange. It was more kind of lime. I apologize for my prior misstatement. And they tiptoed on eggshells a little bit. How did it feel to be booed? Not you personally. Just, uh, no, it was him personally on the 3rd and 12 misfire and the 3rd and three misfire. Those, Those boos were coming from the stands filled with all partial owners of the team. They were expressing the disapproval of their key employees' performance with the sounds that they were making. It was nobody else. They weren't booing the blocking. They weren't booing the route running. They were booing the result, which was fueled by the bad throw. And and look, I understand, and this is one of the values of having guys speak in the immediate aftermath of a game. There is going to be a greater degree of resignation from the losing team. You're not going to have people in there jubilant after they lost, except when it's Russell Wilson. But but I, it just it just feels like it just feels like the garage door is starting to close on Aaron Rodgers' career and 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 as you said they got to go 6 and 0 they or and if they lose it's it's hard with 17 games to know what your buffer really is seven losses with 16 games you you needed to run the table and get help if they would lose another one and go to 4 and 8 they're going to need to run the table and get help. And even then, it's probably not going to be up. I don't think nine and eights getting in this year in the NFC. And, and I so this is it. The playoffs start in nine days for the green Bay Packers. If they want to get to the playoffs, they have to act like the playoffs start when they go to Philadelphia, Peter. Hey, not only that, but can you imagine,
2: can you imagine this? Let's just, let's just look at, you know, the next, uh, uh, you know the next say two games because to me if you go 0 and 2 in the next two games then you have your buy you you've got to think very seriously I don't know why you wouldn't about playing Jordan Love because if you go 4 and 9 and you're coming off your buy what better time is there to basically say okay Jordan Love, let's see what you got and let's see what we're going to do this offseason. That is the kind of organization that the Packers have been a continuum. This is not a team like the Rams that is all in for one season. You know, Brian Gudekind showed that at the trading deadline this year. He was unwilling to stretch and pay 120 cents on the dollar uh, for a Chase Claypool or whoever, Darren Waller, whatever. Uh, and and so this is a team that is out to see what they have in 2024, 25, and beyond. They used a first-round pick on Jordan Love. If they go to 4-8, and eight, you've got to start thinking about it. And then how weirdly ironic that the ninth loss could come in Soldier Field at the home of the team that... Has been so passive in the team that the Packers have tormented for so many years. You know, basically since Papa Bear Halas almost has left the sidelines, you know, and I'm exaggerating because obviously Ditka, you know, had the great Super Bowl run in 85. But I'm saying that it's been a long time since the Chicago Bears can do something to put a nail in, you know, their arch rivals. But Mike, Right after they're at Philadelphia, at Chicago. If they lose both those games and then have the bye, you tell me. What good does it do in your last
1: four games to keep throwing Aaron Rodgers out there? We're on the same page again on that point. I mentioned this last night in the item that I wrote based upon that press conference he gave after the game. At some point, the decision has to be made to put him on injured reserve. Easy cover. He's not being benched. This thumb isn't getting any better. He's having a hard time gripping the football. We're putting him on injured reserve, and Jordan Love is going to play. That's how this arguable GOAT's career could end, with a whimper and hardly a bang if he doesn't play next year. But, Peter, can you imagine how certain folks at 345 Park Avenue would feel about that prospect when coming out of the bye – there's a Monday night standalone primetime game at Lambeau Field against the Rams. A Christmas Day standalone visit to the Miami Dolphins. And then a New Year's Day late afternoon 425 Eastern visit from the Vikings to Lambeau Field. And they flex those games out all the time of that 425 window. But given how the Vikings are playing this year, depending upon what they may be playing for at that point... This is one that may stay put, not because of the Packers, but because of the team that's coming in to play the Packers. So there's three straight weeks of high-profile games for Green Bay. And there may be a few phone calls made about this whole, what's this I hear about Aaron Rodgers possibly going on into reserve so you can see what Jordan Love has? And the other thing, too, Peter, until you're mathematically eliminated, see, that's the thing. 4-8, and 4-9 and nine if they lose at Soldier Field, practical matter, done mathematically probably not done and and that's really the question that i see would they make that decision to put jordan love out there as a pre preseason 2023 unless and until they are put in that category of teams that have been officially eliminated that's going to be a tough call but mike i
2: might ask you this question let's say you love the green bay packers You live in Tacoma, Washington. You know, you live in uh, whatever, uh, Burlington, Vermont. You love the Packers. I have a question for you. Those big, high-profile games, would you rather see Aaron Rodgers playing out the string or would you rather see, hey, let's see what we got in Jordan Love? This I'm going to love the Packers next year whether they uh, whether Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback or Jordan Love or Joe Dokes you know I and and we've had this guy on our bench forever can we please see what we have and Mike just remember one thing when the Green Bay Packers decided to move on from Brett Favre in July of 2008 and then Aaron Rodgers played that first season I think everybody I'm not saying they forget this but I think everybody you know puts in a in a distant rearview mirror he struggled in 2008. You know he did not have a great year. He showed promise, but he struggled. And that's why to me and I'm not saying that Jordan Love is going to do what Aaron Rodgers did either short or long term. I'm just saying if you thought enough of him to pick him so high that you wanted to trade up to get him in the first round, if you thought enough of him, okay, at some point you have to let him try to play or let him play before he moves on. And to me, it would be the height of, uh, I don't want to say stupidity, that it's the wrong word, but I mean, it's not what the Green Bay Packers are. The Green Bay Packers of think short. about 2025, 26, 27. They always do that. Brian Gutekunst is the perfect general manager for that. He's just exactly what Ted Thompson was. And to think that they wouldn't play Jordan Love down the stretch is mind-boggling to me. I, I would not
1: understand it at all. Yeah, it would be the height of short-sightedness to stick with Aaron yeah, Rodgers beyond the, the point I, where they know as a practical yeah. matter... The fork is in them. Even if they're not mathematically eliminated, they're smart enough to realize this isn't going to magically get better. And that's something Aaron Rodgers was saying last night. We showed against the Cowboys that when we play to our potential, we can win. So if we play to our potential, we can win each of the next six games. He said that last night. The problem is in the professional world of football, every team is trying to play to its potential. And the more that one team succeeds, yeah. the more the other team necessarily fails. So they ran into a team where their formula worked on Sunday. They ran into a team on Thursday night where their formula didn't work because the Titans put the clamps on the running game. And if the Packers can't run, the Packers can't throw, the Packers can't win. So 6-0, oh, I'd be stunned. How can you have any real confidence that a team that went 4-7 and seven is suddenly going to run the table. Now, I know it's not unprecedented. Sims and I were talking about this yesterday. When RG3 was a rookie in 2012, they were 3-6, and six, and they rattled off seven in a row to finish the season. It could happen. Crazier things have happened this month. But it it's kind of hard to hear the confidence bordering on delusion, bordering on hubris, that when you're four and seven for the first time since 2006, we're just going to show up and win six in a row. They could. I'm not saying they can't. But at some point, Peter, the clock is ticking toward acknowledging reality and realizing. The schedule that makers, it's, honestly, it's Mike, time.
2: the schedule makers have done the Packers a great favor. You know, Howard Katz and company at the NFL office. You know why? Because the first game is against. Philadelphia in Philadelphia. So if you if you really want to know where you are, if if the Packers think, hey, listen, when we play to our potential, we can beat anybody. Okay, this right now is I, I think of one of the two or three toughest assignments in the NFL late November, uh, 2022. You know what? One of the toughest assignments is you win at the link in Prime Time. I, that's, there's no other way to say it. So if they do win, then the whole, uh, y- you know, the whole landscape has changed, changed drastically, but I think you're like me. I don't see it happening, but Hey, they've got a chance. Let's see
1: if they can do it. It's going to be even harder to go into the Lincoln win in prime time when the Eagles just lost at the Lincoln prime time yeah. a few days ago, they're going to be on full alert and they're going to relish the opportunity to be the ones that drive the stake into the heart of the Green Bay Packers. And if you're one of these teams that's having a great year in the NFC, you don't want Aaron Rodgers hanging around the playoffs. You don't want Aaron Rodgers, and you don't want Tom Brady hanging around the postseason because that's the kind of team that that can catch fire under the leadership of a guy who's been there and done that over and over and over again. And I think the Eagles will be particularly motivated to knock out, as a practical matter, the Green Bay Packers. Matt Casey, our coordinating producer, raises a great point. We were talking about 2006, how bad they were. They were 4-7 and seven that year. Favre was horrible that year. And he didn't decide to call it a day. He came back for one more year in Green Bay, and he was pretty damn good in 2007. And I wonder if that historical reality will be a factor for Aaron Rodgers. Hey, I saw Brett do it. Brett had a crappy year in 2006. He came back in 2007, and they were great. They got to the brink of the Super Bowl. And Rodgers had a front-row seat for it. That may be a factor. You know, it may have been he entered this season. And he said that made-for-TV golf thing that he did with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, he was asked at some point that week do you think about retirement? He said all the time. And he claimed in 2021, he was 50-50 on retiring the weekend before training camp opened.
0: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines.
1: You know, you got me wondering now, does this season go so badly for Aaron Rodgers that he decides, I'm going to come back for one more and I'm going to do it right this time? I I think with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, he has to decide on his own that he needs to be all in all off-season long, there for the off-season program. You can't tell him I told you so. He's got to tell himself, yeah, maybe I should do this differently if I'm back for one more year. Maybe I should gather my guys somewhere where we just work out on our own. So, you know, Christian Watson, hey, Christian Watson, five touchdowns this week. Where's he been all year? Well, maybe he was a little freaked out by Aaron Rodgers, didn't feel comfortable with this mythical being that he grew up literally grew up from the time he was five years old watching and he's nervous around him yeah doesn't want to screw up took took a while to get to the point where he's comfortable and now looks pretty comfortable to me wouldn't that have been nice if he'd had been that comfortable week one when he was wide ass open running down the right sideline after the vikings went up seven nothing and he drops the ball if he catches that pass maybe the whole season's different for the packers who knows so i think if he's gonna come back peter to make Your point earlier, which I think is very accurate, the Packers may expect more. I think the key is he's got to expect more from himself if he wants next year to be different than this year.
2: Yeah, and I think it's a great point, Mike. Whether it's uh, coming to Green Bay for five weeks, uh, that you weren't in Green Bay last year for those five weeks, or or whether you bring everybody to you know, Rancho Mirage, California or something, you you know, what? you bring everybody to California uh, for eight or nine days and you work out there. I just think there's got to be a different level of commitment. I would want that if I were the Packers. I would want a different level of commitment from Aaron Rodgers this year. And again, I'll say this. I said it a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it. And you were adamant that he had to have been in the off-season program. It's his right as a player. Any player can say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not coming to a non-mandatory practice in the off-season, period. And if he says that, then the Packers may have a decision to make. But I think it shouldn't come to that. It should come to he and and, and Matt LaFleur. Having a conversation on January 10th, you know, before everybody goes their separate ways, and having a conversation and saying, okay, you know, we now are in the fire drill stage of our careers right here. Because look, Matt LaFleur, it's not like Matt LaFleur is getting fired after this year. It's almost certainly not like he's getting fired after next year. But, you know, you can't have three you know, four and 13 seasons in a row in the NFL. You just can't do it. So all I'm saying is that I think after this season, there needs to be a very frank conversation uh, between the leader of the Green Bay Packers off the field and the leader of the Green Bay Packers on the
0: field.
1: And Peter, I'm a firm believer that in early 2008, Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson wanted a decision from Brett Favre, a commitment from Brett Favre at a time when they knew if they told him we want yes or no right now, they knew what the answer was going to be. They knew it was going to be no. And I'm with you on this. They need to say to Aaron Rodgers, ASAP, after this season ends, if you're going to come back for this year, we need to know it now. And we need to know that you're truly all in. And you need to make that commitment to us and yourself now. Otherwise, this train has to keep a rolling down the tracks. And he may not like that, but, you know, it's one thing to tiptoe around the delicate genius when the delicate genius is doing delicate genius things. When all of a sudden he's not getting it done, they're not going to hesitate to tell it like it is, like they told it like it was the night they traded up in round one without even letting him know ahead of time to take Jordan love his eventual replacement and eventual may be coming. Let's hear a little bit from Matt LaFleur just to get a vibe as to where he is. Cause this is a guy who lost 10 regular season games in three seasons combined. He's looking at losing that many this year alone. Here he is on the latest loss and where the team stands in the race for the playoffs.
0: Obviously extremely disappointed right now. Um, to put on a performance like that. Uh I I just I don't even know what to say. Uh there's it was nothing like a few days ago. Um and that's why you're only as good as your last game. We're we're not in a very good position right now, that's for sure. Um like I told the guys, like there's there's no margin for error, period. And it's not like I know we got a really tough team coming up um in Philly. So we, we're going to get back to work on Monday and um, try to make some of these corrections because we just—it's disappointing when you have whether it's a coverage bust defensively, whether it's uh, protection bust and or you know any any type of mistake in regards to the mental errors. That's extremely disappointing, especially where we're at in in the season. Um, and we're not—I mean, quite frankly. We, even when we are all on the same page, we're not executing to the level that we need to. And um, that's why, you know, we're sitting here at freaking four and seven.
1: Matt LaFleur was very emotional in the locker room on Sunday after they beat the Cowboys. It really felt like they had turned a corner. It felt like the light had gone on and there were plenty of mistakes last night. He says there's no margin for error after they made error after error, after error on both sides of the ball in all phases last night to lose that game. So again, you can button yourself up as much as you want, but there's always an opponent on the field who is trying to do the exact opposite. And this year, 11 tries, 7 times the Packers haven't been able to impose their will. They've had the other teams' will imposed upon them. And it could check, like I said, I'm not I'm not saying get the shovel out and start throwing dirt. But at least have an idea where the shovel is, cuz we're getting close to the time where you go get the shovel and you declare the 2022 Packers over and done. You know, Mike, we've now spent
2: 35 minutes talking about the Green Bay Packers. And I just want to say one thing. I know we're going to talk about the Titans, but how about them Titans? How about them Titans? how 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 about last January when everybody said, okay, Titans lose to the Bengals at home? Ryan Tannehill, three interceptions, the horrible interception at the end. Ryan Tannehill in the offseason seeking professional help uh, for the deep, whatever you might call it, the deep mental trough, depression, whatever you might call it. And I just, I have to say, in the offseason, I said, how are the Titans going to come back from this? And I'll say this. Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in team sports. Period. Because he had to take a team that really felt like it was going the wrong way in the middle of January, and not the wrong way for a couple of weeks. But Mike, I want to take you into, and and I, I'm sorry if you had more to say on the on the Packers, but, no, but I just no, this is I, fine. This it really.
1: Was... I was very very aware of the fact that we hadn't talked about the Titans yet. There's going to be some pissed off Titans fans saying, hey, how about the team that won the game? So go (laughs) ahead. Okay, but
2: I'm going to tell you, when I took my training camp trip this year, I sat in Mike Vrabel's office for, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes, something like that, before practice one day. And I have to tell you, he didn't give two bleeps about the, quote, mental hangover aspect that everybody was talking about. He thought that was a pile of crap. You know, hey, we're football players. We we, we go out and play football. And, and, you know, what do you want? And it, it reminded me so much of the time that after Jim Kelly lost his fourth straight Super Bowl, I went to Fredonia, New York, to Bill's training camp the next summer, and I said, This is a tough question, but this is such a crushing blow year after year after year. Have you thought at all, maybe it's time just to retire and stop tormenting myself? And he goes, Peter, are you out of your mind? I love football. I love this game. The only thing worse than losing Super Bowls is not competing for them. And and so I think... I think Vrabel reminded me of the same thing, and it's a great life lesson. Get
1: back on the freaking horse and
2: shut up! Yeah.
1: <laughs> we sorry. I've, so, I anyway, thought you were. I thought you were. I thought you were wrapping up. You were pausing for effect. I apologize, but I think of teams that have had these horrific postseason experiences, and at times it feels like. They just fall apart. They can't get right again. They just can't yes. get out of their own way. Yeah. They're carrying around this mental and emotional scar. The Saints are the most recent example of getting back on the horse every year. Yeah. They've had their that stretch from 2017 through 2020. You get your heart ripped out yeah. every way possible, and you just keep going. That's what Mike Vrabel is doing. They were the one seed last year. They could be the one seed this year. Think about the competition they face in the AFC, and they could end up being the number one seed, they got stopped by the Bills early on. Forget about it and move on. You win or you lose, you forget about it and you move on. They lose to the Chiefs, a game they should have won on Sunday night a couple of weeks ago. Does that become two losses because they're thinking we're just not ready to compete with this team no matter what we do? No, and just take care of business and they keep winning football games. And last night was a tough spot for them to go into Lambeau Field four days after the Packers felt like they rediscovered their magic and the Titans were the team that had the magic they had the creativity Peter I don't understand why the Titans aren't more appreciated why they don't get more respect we talked about the 12 and a half point spread a few weeks back they were underdogs at five and two by 12 and a half points then they're playing the the Broncos at home and they're only two and a half point favorites against the Broncos are you kidding me and last night they were three point underdogs Against the Packers, like the, the people just aren't responding to this team, and maybe at some point they will, or maybe they just won't. Maybe maybe the attitude is going to be the Titans in our view are frauds until they win in the postseason, and then maybe we'll we'll take them seriously. But for now, we're not going to take them seriously, and I think that's a mistake. They need to be taken very seriously. Hey, Mike, the Tennessee Titans
2: since September twentieth seven and one and that one loss is a very very 51 49 type 50.1 to 49.9 kind of loss to Kansas City and and so look you could argue that since week three they're the best team in football and it would be hard to argue against you. And I'll just I'll make two points that really resonated with me last night. Okay, you could ask ardent football fans. If I lined up 100 football fans, ardent football fans, love the game, watched every week. And if I asked 100, I bet 10 would know the answer to this question. Who's the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans? <laughs> well, Todd Downing is very much ahead in my uh, Coach of the Week, uh, you know, balloting, personal balloting right now because he basically told uh, Derrick Henry, hey, listen, you're going to be Tim Tebow, okay? And you are going to do this bizarre jump pass that Tim Tebow perfected at the University of Florida. Watch this. And the crazy thing is, it was a perfect spiral. Look at this pass. Look at this pass. He's jumping in the air and he throws a spiral for a touchdown. I just love that, and I love the fact that your offensive coordinator has the faith in all of your players, all of them, you know, to uh, you know, to execute a play like that. Can I tell you something else that really occurred to me last night when I was watching them? We just showed it at the end of this play. Did you see when Hooper catches the ball and he goes, and look, you know, if, if, you're, if you're Austin Hooper and you've just caught a touchdown pass at Lambeau Field, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm not Joe Sentimental necessarily, but I might want to keep that football. Did you see what he did? He put that football David, Derek Henry. in the gut of Derrick Henry because he knows that of all the great things that Derrick Henry has done in his career, this is going to be really memorable. Hey, Derrick Henry, you threw a touchdown pass at Lambeau Field. This is your ball. It's your ball. I just love that. I absolutely loved it. And that says to me, this team is a team. And those were two or three of the things that I thought watching the Titans last night. All praise to Todd Downing, called a great game, designed a great game. All praise to Derrick Henry. He threw a spiral, (laughs) you know, jumping in midair. And then all praise to Austin Hooper for being the mensch of the week and handing the ball to Derrick Henry.
1: And the thing about that play, Sims and I will talk about this from time to time. You draw it up on the whiteboard, it looks great. It doesn't look so great yeah. when you put it into action. This is one that looked great on the whiteboard, but probably drew some raised eyebrows from Mike Vrabel. Like, you really think that's going to work? And it was perfection. It happened so fast. It was beautiful. It was confounding. Yeah. My first thought was, as he crossed the line of scrimmage? He's not. He stopped right in his tracks. He knew exactly where to be. The linemen were pass blocking as Derrick Henry had the ball. They didn't release and go down the field. It just was perfectly designed and perfectly executed. And it was just one of those moments where it's like, wow, this is a reason why we should be paying closer attention to this team. They had their season high in yardage and points last night without Derrick Henry having one of those 150-yard nights. He didn't even get to 100 rushing yards. Meanwhile, Traylon Burks, the guy who had way too much pressure put yeah. on him because he was the A.J. Yeah. Brown replacement. He had 111 receiving yards last night. So, it's starting to click. It's starting to balance. It can't be all Derrick Henry because on the nights when Derrick Henry isn't getting it done, then what do you do? Well, they're able to connect to Traylon Burks now. That changes everything. And the offense becomes more diverse. And Peter... My favorite play of the night, other than the jump pass, was this right here. A brilliant coaching decision with 2.04 to play and it's first down. You're running one play, whether it's a run or a pass, whether the ball ends up in bounds with the clock running or it sails over someone's head. The two minute warning is going to stop the clock. So, why not? Why not do the exact opposite of what everyone in the world thinks you're going to do and pound it into the line with Derrick Henry and take your shot and apply the dagger and never get yourself in a point where as you're running the numbers as the two-minute warning moves toward triple zeros, we may have to punt. We may have to make a decision. We may have to give them the ball again. Let's just dispense with all that and deliver a dagger when Jair Alexander least expects it and when the rest of the Packers defense has no idea it's coming that to me was even though the, it's it's not like the i mean were they going to come back 99.9% no anyway but that that's just yeah opportunity and go for it and over and and i i that that's a mindset that a lot of teams don't have and we always hear all the time you got to be aggressive you got to be aggressive Well, I like being selectively aggressive, strategically aggressive, and that's what we saw in that last play that just slammed the door on any any possibility. Crazy turn of events like we saw with the Jets and the Browns week two. Kooky, nutty things happening. No, it's not. We're not messing around with that. Boom. Over the top. Now it's done. We'll take three knees and we'll go home. Todd Downing. He's
2: George Costanza. Yes. I will do the opposite.
0: My whole life, (laughs) I used
2: to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I am going to do the opposite. And shouldn't more coaches do the Costanza and walk up to the woman at the counter and stop ordering the tuna on toast? I mean, I wish that we had more imagination in the NFL, not that a lot of coaches don't do fun things. And, and even when like this year, when more coaches in years are running the ball more than they ever have. But I'm just saying those are some great examples of exactly why Derek Henry is an invaluable piece of the Tennessee Titans puzzle. Even when he doesn't have the gaudy stats the incredible numbers and all that even when all that happens he still can impact the game
1: like very few
2: non-quarterbacks in the
1: nfl and we're at a time where there is so much of an emphasis on coaches being aggressive chris rails about that all the time aggressive for the sake of being aggressive i'm a believer in being unpredictably aggressive if you go for it all the time on fourth down you're too predictable if you never go for it on fourth down you're too predictable i remember there was a time a few years back after they moved the extra point if you're kicking for one from the two to the 15 mike Tomlin of the steelers was very aggressive about going for two the key is to be unpredictable nobody ever really knows what you're going to do Are you going to go for it here or not? I really don't know. What are you going to do here? I really don't know. And what they did more last night in that moment with 204 to play, they just had the Packers lulled to sleep. But regardless, that's the kind of aggression. That's the kind of surprise. That's the kind of thing that keeps teams wondering what the hell's going on. And the more you can make the other team wonder what the hell's going on, what's going on is they lose. So it's just, I still can't process why the Titans are regarded as boring. If you paid attention to what they were doing last night, they are anything but boring. They are one of the most interesting and balanced teams in the NFL. And oh, by the way, Peter, they got a little hair of the dog coming to town next week. To the extent that demons need to be exorcised by the Titans, here come the Bengals. And then they get to go to the link. Not for a primetime game, for a 1 o'clock Eastern start, but... Great opportunities for the Titans to keep building on this because they don't have a couple of cupcakes coming up. They're in the weakest division in football, but this next two-game stretch is going to be a couple of challenges and maybe a couple more opportunities for the Titans to get people to realize, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't be – a one-point underdog to the Bengals at home. Maybe we shouldn't be a 10-point underdog to the Eagles in Philly, and I don't know what the lines are going to be. Maybe they're finally going to adjust and, and recognize that the Titans are pretty damn good. But these next two games, more opportunities to prove it to everyone, Peter.
2: Yeah, you know, Mike, I, I think that all these things happen in due time, and you get your credit where credit is deserved, and everybody will say, well, gee, Why are the Patriots on more national games than the Titans and and all that stuff? And there's a lot of questions like that every year. But I don't know, Mike. I I think in life and in football, you get what you deserve. Because look, I'm going to now say the dark cloud thing about the Titans. Two consecutive years, they lost their opening playoff game at home, obviously as a higher seed to Baltimore first, and then to Cincinnati. You get what you deserve. And so it's all well and good. It's all, It really is. It's all well and good. But this team is going to have to play well in January for the national opinion and, quite honestly, the opinion of the people who make the schedule at 345 Park Avenue. They're going to have to perform well in late January and early February for that opinion to change and for
1: them to get the, quote, respect, end quote, that people think they deserve. One last point before we take a break, because I want to give Christian Watson the credit he deserves for what he accomplished between Sunday and Thursday. He is the first Packers rookie to have multiple touchdown catches in consecutive games since 1954 so now wow. could have happened earlier could have happened earlier in the year but it's happening now and that's a bright spot for a team that is wondering what's the future going to be regardless of who the quarterback's going to be maybe they've got their next Devonte adams given the way christian watson's been playing in recent weeks all right when we return The Browns and the Bills will indeed be playing this weekend, but the game will not be in Buffalo. We'll talk about where they're going to be meeting and why when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing.